On R2C2, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco guide listeners through everything going on in the MLB, NBA, and NFL. They also talk to friends, athletes, and celebrities about the world of sports and much more. Check out R2C2 with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel. America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. First July show ever. How about that? First July show ever of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. John Jastrzemski. And I think for everybody's sake, the best thing that happened was that I was at Yankee Stadium. I got back at 2.30 in the morning. I had no voice. And quite frankly, I didn't have the energy 24 hours ago to discuss anything about what transpired with me in attendance for the Yankees and the Angels. And now that I have had 24 hours to let that game marinate, to collect my thoughts in an educated manner like we always tend to do on these particular programs, I am going to go and say this point blank. I have been to a shitload of Yankee games throughout my life. Well over a thousand. Not even close. Probably even more than that. I don't have the official count. Okay? Aside from playoff losses and playoff games, there is no way in the world that I've attended a game that felt dirtier, And that felt worse than last night. It does not get worse than last night for a variety of different reasons. First of all, it was 110 degrees outside. That's number one. I think I'm still schwitzing from my walk to my car to the boogie down. Still schwitzing a little bit. Number two. Not one, two rain delays. Now, you could question my sanity and why I would stick around and why I would stay. It's a fair point. It was family day, basically. 
for years truly out at Yankee Stadium. Had my two sisters, had my fiance, had the great Steve Mez who was in attendance with his son. So when you go big and you take care of everybody, you can't be bailing on the game. You're in. I didn't have to work last night, so I was in. I said, fuck it. What else do we got to do? But two rain delays we sat through. Three, I'm all sorts of nasally, so I couldn't even have a cocktail. So I'm stone cold sober, pounding Poland Springs to deal with the heat and the humidity. So all that is going on. Not exactly the prettiest of pictures, aside from the family time, which is great. But then you get to the product on the field. And the Yankees knocked Shohei Otani out after an inning. Shohei Otani stunk. Couldn't throw strikes. Couldn't finish anybody off. The Yankees score seven runs in the first inning. And you're like, okay, here comes another laugher. Maybe the Yankees are, dare I say, building some confidence. Somewhat. Going into the Subway Series this weekend. They grind into about five double plays. I don't have the number off the top of my head. Who cares? All I know is there's a shit ton, okay? And they're leaving a ton of runners on after the first inning. But then you get to the ninth inning. You have a four-run lead. And Aroldis Chapman is on a mound. You have to win that game. Chapman, walk, walk, walk. And you just knew with the way this Yankee season has been going, something bad was about to happen. The minute that ball went off the bat of Jared Walsh, who's the stud I have on my fantasy team for what it's worth, I said, that baby's gone. Everybody in Yankee Stadium knew it. And I could not even bring myself throughout the rest of the ninth inning like, there were some Yankee fans chanting, let's go Yankees, standing and clapping with two strikes. I was like, the hell with all that shit. <laughs> you kidding me? It's one o'clock in the morning. I just sat through two rain delays. I sat through a shitload of traffic, and the closer just gave up four runs in the ninth inning. Yeah, I, I, I'm done cheering for the night. The Yankees absolutely deserved to lose that game. Justice was served. It does not get any worse than that. And then we get to the Hal Steinbrenner comments. And, you know, there were a few of my Yankee friends, Yankee fan buddies, whatever you want to call them, who were texting me after the game. And my phone died, of course, at the stadium, naturally. So I see all the texts coming in. How speaking, JJ. You think a change is coming? You think something is about to go down with the Yankees? I said, absolutely not. They didn't fire Aaron Boone after the Red Sox debacle. You think they're firing Aaron Boone tonight? No way. My initial feelings about how and what he was going to say to the media was spot on to a T. We're going to play a few of those clips momentarily. How basically made it clear. This is not on Brian Cashin. This is not on Aaron Boone. This is on the players. It is on the players. He's right to some degree. It is on the players. But is Brian Cashman just forever Teflon? And I've been a Cashman fan. This team has warts. They have serious problems. And then don't get me started with the critiques for the manager because I ask you this question. Who is the one Yankee 
when you look at a young core of players that have been here that's gotten better under his tutelage, that has gotten better under his watch, you can't find anybody. I'm going to play you a couple of these hot clips. Surudy, I hope they're ready to go. They were nauseating when I heard them the first time. I don't think it's going to be any better the second time around. Let's hear from the new boss of the New York Yankees, even though he's not really the new boss, but you get where I'm going with this. Let's hear it. Do you still believe that you have the right staff in place to lead this team? Absolutely. Yeah. Look, this, everybody on the coaching staff has, has dealt with these players in the past. We've had some great offenses and some great teams. So, and, you know, nobody's working harder than the coaches. And, um, you know, the players, the most important thing to me always, any given year, is that the players respect the coaches, believe in the coaches, and that's absolutely the case here. What is your evaluation of Brian Cashman's job performance? Look, Brian and I have been doing this a lot of years together. Um, he's extremely intelligent. Like I said, he understands the deal when it comes to, you know, relying on pro scouting, relying on analytics, but also building areas that all teams are building, like analytics, like performance science. Um, we have we communicate very well. Uh, there's not much that happens without him running up by me first. Uh, he knows that's the way I want it. Um, you know, I think he's I think he's done a good job. This this team that we put together leading spring training was a very, very good team. And they just haven't played up to their to their potential that I believe they still have, of course, because um, it's essentially the same team. And I'm talking about the starting lineup that, um, you know, we had last year and the year before. And, and these aren't aging players. These guys are in the prime. Um, they just haven't played up to their potential. And that's that's been the, the big problem. At least they haven't done it consistently. So how made it perfectly clear? This is about the players. This is not about Brian Cashman. This is not about Aaron Boone. Now, he was asked. If there's a playoff mandate for Aaron Boone to be the manager of this team in 2022, he didn't want to go into that. But if you're searching for an in-season managerial change, and I know I've brought this up on quite a few occasions, and I know many of you with the voicemails and with your tweets have done the exact same thing. It ain't happening. That is the first general takeaway that I kind of knew but now it's almost reaffirmed. The Yankees are not firing Aaron Boone midseason. He's going to manage this team until the end of 2021. After 2021, though, Yankees are on the outside looking in. If he's managing, if he's managing this team and they miss the playoffs, I, I you don't even want to begin to imagine what the complexion of my life in this show is going to be. Because it's going to be in a very dark place with my baseball team. So I hope we're not living in that world. I really don't. The other interesting angle to come out of the House Steinbrenner Zoom session with the media is this contrast. And I'm glad that it was brought up. Our buddy, the great Sweeney Murdy, was all over it. What would your father do? We hear this a lot. I know a lot of you folks bring it up on the podcast. What would George do? He was asked that question. I want to hear it. Let's hear it, Sarudi. How is it for you when most of the actions you do with your team tend to be constantly compared with your father, the proverbial, this is what the boss would do? How do you deal with that? How do you handle that? I, I, think, I think I'm just used to it. Uh, I'm used to it. Look, I'm my own person. Um, we all have pluses and minuses, strengths and weaknesses, and there's a lot of things that are different between my dad and I. Uh, there are also things that are, that are similar. But uh, I, I've just come to, to understand and that, and it's a very, 
I, to me, it's a very justified question to, to ever ask and to always ask uh, because he was, he was one of the greatest at what he did. And uh, all I can do is do my best, be my own person, make the decisions in the way that I have always made decisions, and um, which is putting as much thought into a decision as possible, taking the time, if I have the time, to, to do just that. Uh, I, there's no doubt I'm a little, little less uh, spur of the moment than he was in a lot of ways. But all I can assure everybody is I, I do my best. And it's a legitimate question to always ask. It never bothers me. I love the man. And, uh, you know, he was he was the greatest. And it's just understandable. But how do I cope with it? I'm just used to it. Uh, it it's it's part of part of the job. And it, and it really doesn't bother me. And hell, after a tough loss like last night, what's your message to Yankee fans? That we're going to keep plugging away. And there was one thing that I want to throw in that was brought up in addition to those comments that Hal Steinbrenner made. Hal doubled down on basically the idea of not making changes. Basically saying, hey, my father made a lot of in-season changes. They didn't normally work. I get that argument because there were a lot of moves made by George in the 1980s that blew up in the Yankees' face. That's absolutely true. There were some irrational firings. I don't think this would be an irrational firing if they decided to do so this time around. Too much complacency is my general takeaway from the Yankees in their order of business right now. It's refreshing to finally hear some angry voices, whether it's the GM, the manager, and the owner. But where was this a month ago? Because... It's been the same product on the field for the last three months. And as the Yankees get ready for the Subway Series against the Met team that's in first place, a Met team that is pitching really well, it is a Met team that is struggling to score mightily. You're in make-or-break territory for the Yankees. But after experiencing and witnessing rock bottom. And that's what it was Wednesday night. Rock bottom. Forget about the worst loss of the year. It's one of the worst regular season losses you're ever going to have. And it's definitely the worst one I have ever seen in person. You think my confidence is sky high that this team is pulling a 2005 or a 2007? For you Yankee fans, you know exactly what I'm referencing. I'm talking Sean Chacon. I'm talking Aaron Small. I'm talking... Chin Ming Wong and Robinson Cano and 11 and 19 turning to a division title or 07 under 500 right around this time and playing basically 650 ball to win 95 games. I don't think this team has that in them. First of all, I don't think this team has the sort of chutzpah and balls that you need in order to go on that sort of stretch. Prove me wrong. I'd love to have this audio clip played in September, and we have a good laugh over it, maybe over a cocktail. I, I really do. But the Yankees, in many ways, have just shattered me. I'm not going to let them ruin the summer. I'm telling you that right now. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be miserable all summer. I don't know if it's golf in my first ever near hole-in-one or my revamped iron game or, you know, maybe it's getting giddy about two in Miami Dolphins training camp in a month from now. I am not going to let the Yankees ruin the summer. I won't do it. It won't happen. Even if they try. Not letting the Yankees ruin the summer. I'm also not going to let the Yankees ruin this podcast. We have you covered every which way. We'll set the stage for the Subway Series. 
of course, will react to a game five in the Eastern Conference Finals and much different looking series, of course, between Milwaukee and Atlanta. But with Yankee fans on edge, you know, you could go one of two ways. You could try to calm them down. I can't do that. I could say I'm not going to let them ruin the summer, but I'm not exactly going to calm the Yankee fan down. And this, I don't think is going to help this in any way. The great Nikki Totoro is chiming in once again. And he probably wants everybody gone. I mean, that's just my personal take. We'll find out right after this. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven. And your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. So last night was probably one of the worst Yankee games I've ever attended in my life. It is without a doubt the worst regular season game I've attended in my life. 24 hours later, still hard to process, still sick over the state of affairs. And I figured Nikki Totoro and I need a little Yankee therapy. Nikki, my boy, how are we living? What's happening, bud? Okay, Johnny, I'm hanging in there. Uh, you know, I wasn't at the game. You were. But uh, it's amazing, you know, uh, the feeling amongst Yankee fans right now. I've never quite seen it this bad. I've been a Yankee fan now almost 50 years. And it's not the fact that they're losing. It's just that they've become such a bad team. You know what I mean? They've, they've put out such a bad vibe. And they're in denial as an organization from top to bottom. And I've come to the conclusion, even though I'm an addict, I'm probably a junkie and I can't stay away from the pain, I think I might have to take a step back and not really watch them because it's almost, you know what I mean? It's almost well, unbearable It would probably be better for both of our sanities if we took a little bit of a Yankee hiatus and a Yankee break, but you and I are not going to do that because of everything you just said. We're junkies. We're addicts. We love our team. We live and die by our team. And I'll tell you what bothers me to no end, Nick. Listen, We've seen the Yankees have bad years. You lived through the 1980s, early 90s. 2013, 2014, the Yankees weren't any good. Nikki, this team had World Series expectations going into the year. Think about that for a minute. World Series expectations, and they're yucking up four-run leads. They can't score. Their fundamentals stink, and they're unwatchable. Bro, I agree with you 1,000%. This has been one of the most nauseating Yankee seasons I can remember Really, in all my years, bro, being a fan. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's it's not it's not a team you like. It's not a team you even want to watch. It's crazy. You know, you put them on, and we had all these expectations, but I think we weren't really smart. We really didn't look at them. I think we knew that they needed a lot of different things, and we kind of kidded ourselves to say, yeah, this is the year, this is the year, but 
We saw the way they were going the last couple of years. They're too right-handed. They're too one-note. They're too one-dimensional. So what were we thinking? Were we really thinking? Were we really looking at the glass full? I don't think so. I think we were all kidding ourselves that, oh, we could bang our way, slug our way to a championship. It just ain't going to happen, Johnny. There's too many good teams out there that play baseball. Baseball. This team has gotten worse and worse since 17. You know that. Bad trades, bad moves, bad balance. I mean, I even spoke to Jeff Nelson the other day, and he said, an all right-handed team, Nick, you can easily to pitch to. It's very oh, easy. Oh, I agree. And, Nick, you know, they try to make the argument that over 162 games, the righties are going to hit the ball out to right and right center field. That's all well and good. But guess what? When you're facing elite-level relievers who are right-handed and you are facing top-notch starting pitching that is right-handed, you are a lot easier to pitch to. You're a lot easier to pitch to. So the fact that the Yankees do not have lefty bats to balance out the lineup is unacceptable. And the fact that the Yankees had an interest, bro, in either Kyle Schwarber or Michael Brantley and didn't bring either one of those guys to this team, that's unacceptable. I don't know if it's ownership. I don't know if it's Cashman. But you're telling me Michael Brantley, Houston Astros superstar, Kyle Schwarber, lefty slugger, you're telling me one of those two wouldn't provide balance to this lineup? I mean, give me a break. Definitely. As Schwarber was out there, they were obsessed with him. He was so cheap. They got him for $10 million for one year. I know he's kind of the prototype DH guy, but he could have helped. I mean, Brantley is the kind of hitter that they needed. They don't really have a true three hitter. Um, even Jock Peterson was out there. Somebody to at least bring some stability from the left side. This is not going to be an easy fix. I even said it today. This is not a Band-Aid. This team has to be dismantled. And I don't know how you're going to do it. Don't think it's going to happen like that because it just might not. They need a center fielder. They need a shortstop. Glaber Torres is not a shortstop. And what has happened to Glaber? Nick, forget about his defense. He can't hit. He's got three home runs. It's July 1st, for goodness sakes. Dude, I think about all the disappointments on this team from an individual standpoint. It's not even close. Glaber, to me, is the biggest disappointment for the Yankees. You might be up there, and you might be right about that. I, one thing I never liked about him, Johnny, was his swing. I thought his swing was always problematic. It's too long. It's too much. He's fallen in love. He hit the 38 home runs, and maybe maybe that was the season of his life. Maybe he's not as good as we think he is as a hitter. He doesn't hit the ball to right field. He's always popping the ball up. You look at that swing. It's not a great swing. It's not a great swing. I mean, there's only a couple of guys on the team that have decent swings. I mean, LeMay is a good player. You know, what do you do with this guy, Glaber? I think you might have to consider trading him. Here's because, the problem with you know trading what? him, though, Nick. The value is so down. I mean, you're I selling him after this year. See, I, I understand your point in changing the dynamic of the team. I really do. I'm in agreement a thousand percent. I just don't like trading off diminished assets. And that's why, to me, the Yankees missed the boat with Voight last year. That was the perfect time to trade Luke Voigt. He led baseball in home runs. He's exactly the same sort of hitter as Judge, exactly the same sort of hitter as Stanton. Voigt should have been traded after 2020. Now you're trading him off a year where he's not as good because, Nick, you can't have three, four, five of the same sort of dudes. Yeah, I mean, they really are. They really, I mean, Judge 
is the better baseball player out of all those people. And then even last night, I mean, your old friend Mad Dog Russo was going insane about how could the Yankees be sitting him tonight when every game now their life is on the line and oh, he's going, we're going to give Judgey a day off, a day off. You know they don't hit as it is. They got seven token runs in that first inning. Never tacked on another run. Never. Time and time again, second and third, bases loaded, first and third. If you ever seen an offense, ever sat there and seen an offense, this inept, that can't push a run across. Other teams get their bat on the ball. The Red Sox are not that good, but they make contact. The A's, the Rays. You're telling me everybody strikes out like this team? No. No way, Johnny. No fucking way. I mean, it's it's crazy to watch this team. Jeff said it right there. They're a roller coaster. They're a ro- they're like a woman that you know gives you oh gets you excited and you're like oh oh my god you know and it's like it's a tease. It's a freaking tease. It's like stop teasing us and we buy in. We're all morons. We're all morons. We're all buying in. It ain't happening, Johnny. The ownership isn't right. This guy is a businessman. And whatever Cashman can, it doesn't matter. This guy keeps his job. Boone is a figurehead. I mean, it's a mess. It's really a mess. And I, and I mean, even if they turn it around, where are they going to go? They're not going to make the playoffs this year. They're going nowhere. Well, and Nick, and- if they don't make the playoffs this year, I'm sorry. It's time to clean house. If they're not in the postseason they this year, I want, I want a clean house across the board. Across you, the board. You got to. You got to. And I mean, you got to. What do you do with Stanton? I mean, you're going to have to dump him. And who's going to take him? Well, I don't even know here, now. Here's the problem with that. He's got a full no trade. How are you dumping Giancarlo Stanton when he's the one that's signing off on it? Listen, I think about mistakes made in constructing his team over the last few years. He's very much at the top of the list. It's not his fault. Not his he's fault. a flawed superstar. They brought in exactly the same sort of player as Aaron Judge. But Nicky's got a full trade. What team on planet Earth is taking his contract? And then you got to get Stan to sign off on it. That ain't going to happen. Yeah. And we all knew. We all knew 17. We love that team. But look at that team, Johnny. They had Didi. They had, before he became a mess and got hurt, Greg Bird. When Greg Bird was Greg Bird, they looked like a different team. They had lefty bats. They had balance. You had a big guy and judge. Everybody said, yeah, Stan looks, but this doesn't fit. Every Yankee fan knew it. Yellich was given away. If they had gotten Yellich, just think about it. Instead of Stanton, their whole team would be different. Their whole look would be different. Now you have so many problems. These guys and, I, and this other guy is a disaster, Chapman. They're never going to win with this guy. Never as a closer. I don't care what people say about him. He almost coughed it up for the Cubs. This guy, there's something about this guy's makeup. He finds a way to fuck it up. He throws 105, 110, and then he throws these fat lollipop pitches when he can't locate. How many seasons did he end on us? A couple already. Last night, that's the epitome of him. He can't throw a straight. And then after he comes out, a guy named Lutke, I can't even say his name. I can't even say, who is this guy that hasn't pitched in five years? That Boone is, you know, we got the old Lutke's. Who is looking? What the fuck is going on here? I want to know. I want to know. What is it going to take for 2021 
Nick Totoro gets suckered back into the Yankees. What? What? Because right now I know the answer is going to be nothing. But I know you, Nick. And I know if they rattle off a bunch of wins, you're going to try and paint a pretty picture on it. I'm going to try and do the same thing. If they go rattle off 12 of 15, is Nick Totoro back? Sure. Sure, I would. I'd probably suck it back in. But is that going to happen, Johnny? I mean, right now, I see no reason to believe it's going to happen. And Nick, circle circle these two games, series, right after the All-Star break. Back-to-back four-game series. Red Sox, Red Sox. You'll know right then and there if there's going to be meaningful August and September baseball. Right then and there. I I don't see it. I don't see it. And in fact, I'll I'll be fucking shocked. If they're in 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 contention, even for a wild card, I just unless they do a whole, I don't know. Unless they become a different team, I don't see them changing. It's eighty something games already. We've seen what they are. You know, they're not a good baseball team. They don't run the ball. They don't run well. They don't. They don't feel they're not smart. Their pitching has problems, and they don't hit. Man, they don't hit. Yeah, they they. they Hit a couple of bombs here and there. They get on base. I, I don't see it, Johnny. I'll be, I'm preparing myself for the worst. I am. I'm preparing. I'm thinking about just checking the phone, not watching this shit. Yeah, I see, like- you say that now. I know I know. you will still watch. You'll be annoyed. You'll be ticked off. You'll be pissed I'll put off. The TV on. I'll probably put the TV on. I'll probably pace a little bit. I'll probably... I've never been so angry in my life. I get that. Bro, listen, leaving Yankee Stadium, I felt the same way. And that's after a regular season game. Um, I'm sure. You've been a huge... I saw that guy last night, Josie McFly, you know, he's the Yankee fan. Oh, I love Joe. One of the all-time greats, yes. He was so... He goes, this, they're fucking trash, they're... And this is like a guy that's more optimistic than me. I've been I've been reading them the riot act. I did on the fan a few weeks ago, and they got hot. And I said, okay, maybe that was a good sign. Then I read, you know, went on Rich Eisen. It doesn't matter what I'm saying. They don't care about what I say or you say or Yankee. They're not listening. Listen to this guy Hal today. I'm not blaming uh, uh, Cashman or Booney. I mean, Booney's a, just a figurehead. But he, uh, he let his- me ask you, though. Is he your least favorite Yankee manager of all time? Who, Boone? Yeah. He's up there. Who's your favorite? Yeah. Billy? Billy, oh, your favorite? Billy's my favorite by far. I'm not Billy's surprised. I'm not yeah. surprised. Yeah, Billy's my favorite. And uh, I like Show Walter, too. I like Show Walter. I think, you know, Tory. Got lucky with that group, but he was the right guy for that team. He was the right guy for that team. But Billy's my guy by far. Billy's my guy. I mean, there hasn't been too many guys that I love more than Billy Martin. Um, you know, I mean, who's your favorite? Oh, it's Tory. Hands down, oh, okay. it's Tory. Yeah. yeah. He was well, the manager of a team that won four titles in five years. It's Joe that's Tory, your, the godfather. Yeah, that's now, your era. Of course, I love, now listen. I didn't live through Billy, and I didn't live through Bob Lemon or Ralph Houck or any of those guys. I'd say this, though. I feel for Buck Showalter. And, Nick, I don't think the Yankees are going to do it. I would love to see Buck get another opportunity to manage the Yankees because I still think he has that fire burning in him. I mean, wouldn't you, bro? That's like, dude, you're offered, you know, the role of a lifetime. You, You may be doing a couple of reads. Maybe you're on set for a little bit. 
and they pull the rug from under you and they go give it to, I don't know, Edward Norton or something. And you watch him, Nick Tatora, go win all the Oscars. Like, dude, if I were an actor and, you know, something like that happened to me, I'd be sick. I can only imagine how he feels seeing how the Yankees transpired in the late 1990s, you know? I, I think there's always something in him that's probably not bitter, but, you know, he helped build the Diamondbacks and the Diamondbacks came of age. He helped build the Yankees and, you know, unjustly got fired, you know, because they lost a brutal series by Steinbrenner, which wasn't his fault. They were coming. They were coming of age. And then Joe stepped in and, uh, and reaped all the benefit of, you know, a great team that was forming. And, and, you know, so Buck helped put the Orioles back in relevance. I'll tell you something. He could, he could restore some order here. He could restore some pride here because this guy is a joke. I wasn't even a big Girardi. He was too mechanical. But this guy, I gave him a chance. He blows bubbles. You know, he sounds like Barney the cartoon. I don't know. I just, I can't take him serious. And I'm sick of Cashman. I'm sick of, you know, oh, you know, he comes out and says we suck. You know what, Showalter? I would love to see him get another shot. I think he deserves it. Maybe this would be a swan song. You know, maybe come out smelling like a rose. Somebody that knows that's going to, you know, run the team his way. But it's Cashman. Are they going to allow it? I don't know what Cashman has on these people, but it's incredible how he keeps his job. So I need your opinion on this. Yeah. Because I watched this the other day. And anytime, you know, I'm thinking something movie related, television related, you know, you're yeah. one of my guys. You're the Hollywood consigliere. What Thank did you, you think of the trailer for the Sopranos prequel? I thought it was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Are you in? I'm in. I'm in. But, um, and I'm excited. You know, um, some of the actors, they look interesting. You know, um, I mean, the guy playing Dickie Moltisante, I don't know too much about him. I know he's done a lot of stuff. Uh, and I'm excited to see Jimmy's kid. He he does look like a a little green around the <laughs> around the glass for me. But you know, I hope they surprise me. I hope they made a good movie. It's never going to come close to The Sopranos. But let's hope it's it's interesting and it and it's respectable to to that series because that series is so great. I just hope the movie's good. But I'm definitely excited. I can't wait. I can't wait, but you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to watch it and I don't want to get too hyped and then I'll have to watch it again. Cause the second or the third time will tell me how much I like this movie or is it a piece of shit? I'm sure it's going to be, it's going to be good. I'm sure it's going to be good. I just hope, you know, it, it does justice to, because it's not, I can't compare it to the series. No, no, am, nobody would expect you to do that. Right. Do right. you but have no, a favorite, do you have a favorite episode? That they did in the series? Of the Sopranos? Yeah. You know, there's there's a couple of there's so many great ones, and then there's a couple of brilliant ones. Um like when I say Nick Totoro Sopranos, the first episode that comes to mind. What's the first one that comes to mind? You know, I I, I would say the the pilot, because the pilot really grabs you. It's not probably the greatest episode. Um, I like the one when Christopher gets shot, too. I Excellent think he, episode. 
excellent, excellent episode. And when Adrian and when Adriana gets whacked, when Adriana gets whacked, that's a phenomenal episode. I'm going to tell you something that's incredible. I don't know the name of that episode. And she was fantastic out of all the women in that series. She's the one that I find the most likable because most of the women are not that likable. Even Tony's wife, the more you watch that show, she's a great actress, Edie, but I didn't find her that likable. My cousin was great, but you hated her, Janice. Uh, you but did Dre, hate her. She was terrific, but you hated her. You absolutely hated I liked, her. Nick. And you I liked the episode where Tony was going to bang her. Uh, I think that's a great episode when he was going to bang her. And Imperioli, Michael finds out and he loses his fucking mind. That's a great episode. You know, he loses his mind and Tony was going to whack him out and then didn't. Um, but that's a great episode. The great Nikki Totoro. My friend, I leave you on this note. Give me something right now that I'm not watching. Movie, television, that I need to get on. Because I trust you on this sort of shit. Give me a recommendation, Nikki Totoro style. That's going to be our parting note. <laughs> In an old movie, uh, yeah, it a surprised new- me. Yeah, give me an old movie. Give me an old movie. I like that because you're a man of culture. All right, I'm gonna give you a sleeper that you're gonna have to watch that a lot of people haven't seen. And actually, a young Sirico's in it. Michael V. Gazzo, Kaitel is in it. He's the lead, and um, Luca Brazzi, the guy. Lenny From the Montana. Godfather, of course, yeah. Yes. So I'm going to give you this movie. Go do your homework. Fingers. I want you to see this movie, Fingers, that James Toback wrote and, and directed, I believe. Excellent, excellent movie. People don't know about it. You're going to love it. I like You're something off the it. back wall. The guys, That's the why, listen, yeah, I keep you around for many reasons. I love you, number one. Number two, you're a guy that I can throw ideas off of when it comes to Hollywood and entertainment. And of course, I love it in the New York Yankees. Nick, the next time we do this, I have you report on fingers. And I hope the Yankees look drastically different, bro. Say your prayers, all right? I will, buddy. I will. Let me know. And if I can think of any other series or things that, you know, you should check out, I will definitely pass them along. Pass That's them why along. you do what you do. That's the great Nikki Totoro, the Hollywood extraordinaire that he is. We'll get you ready for the Subway Series. A lot more calls to get to with the voicemails and much different looking Eastern Conference Finals. No Trey and no Giannis in Game 5. Voicemails up next. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you 
and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade, Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's, huzzah, a toast to breakfast. So it's always a blast having our dude, the great Nikki Totoro on the show. And between Nikki, the podfather, Bill Simmons, and even my buddy, Sean Marash, I am very surprised with those three individuals when it comes to their thoughts on Newark. They're very down on Newark. Like Simmons was texting me earlier today, thinks it has disaster potential written all over it. Maybe it's because I have so much negativity in my life with the Yankees. I'm looking for some positivity any which way I can. Come on. Jim Gandolfini's son, Leota, Vera, Sopranos prequel. I'm in. To sound like one of the fellas, I'm fucking in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, on a much more serious note, Brutal night for the Mets. It's been a bad week for the Mets. Let's call it like it is. They had a bad game in Washington to make up. Then they go down to Atlanta. They're lucky they didn't get swept against the Atlanta Braves. They are very, very lucky they did not get swept. Now, I would rather lose 20-2 to two like they did on Wednesday night over the way the Yankees lost on Wednesday any day of the week. But when you combine that 20-2 to two loss with Thursday night's performance... It's not going to be a settling thought going into the Subway Series. Jacob deGrom, for the first time all year, looked mortal in the first inning. The Mets give him a lead. You're thinking, all right, here we go. Vintage deGrom, win two out of three, yada, yada, yada. deGrom runs into trouble, triple. Albies gets him. Riley gets him, and he gives up a three spot. Now, In vintage DeGrom-like fashion, he buckles down, makes big pitches when he needs to, and finds a way to strike out 14 guys without walking a batter. So it must be nice to be the best pitcher on the planet where I'm having a conversation about an off night, and yet it's three-run ball over seven innings, no walks, and 14 strikeouts. But that's how high the bar has been set for Jacob DeGrom And the Mets had opportunities. You're waiting for somebody to get a hit. I mean, McNeil and Conforto have been atrocious. Atrocious. McNeil's hitting 226. Conforto's hitting 216. And with that short porch at Yankee Stadium, staring him in the face the next three games, if McNeil and Conforto do not get right at Yankee Stadium, you got to wonder, well, when in the world are they going to get right in 2021? Very down on their performance. And I love both of those guys, especially McNeil, who's been one of my favorite Mets over the last few years. They're not hitting, they're not scoring. But it looks like in the ninth inning, maybe there's some good vibes coming your way. Dom Smith, game-tying home run against Will Smith. We know the Braves' bullpen is an abomination. Mets don't get that go-ahead run. And for starters, watching the game can... SNY, yes, all of the radio outlets. Can they get the damn announcers on site? Gary Cohen is one of the best play-by-play guys in the business. He's one of the best. 
He had no idea if that ball was fair or foul. Didn't have the slightest clue because he's not there. They got to rewrite that. I mean, that bothers me to no end. The idea that you don't have the play-by-play and the analysts going to games. If they got the Vax, get them to the games, please. Anyway, you have the drama to Smith home run in the top half of the ninth inning, but in bottom of the ninth, it's basically a couple of weird plays that decide the game. Lugo's got to know better. Dribbler, he's trying to be Cal Ripken Jr. or he's trying to be Omar Vizquel throwing a ball at first base. Seth, eat the ball, please. Because you allowed the runner to go to second base. Then he moves over on a ground out. Great at bat by Enciarte. And then Freeman hit a rocket off of Lugo. And Louis G, watching the play again, his best chance of getting it out was actually running to third base. It's tough to see when you're playing a carom off a ball hitting a pitcher. Your first instinct is going to be, I got to throw the ball first. You can't kill Luis Guillerme for that. I'm sorry, you just can't. But the Mets lose a game in Atlanta. They've now lost three of their last four. And you're alarmed and concerned that this team does not score runs. Look up and down the lineup. Who's got an OPS over 700? Alonzo, that's it. Lindor's not hitting consistently. McNeil, Conforto. I know Smith had the home run. His numbers are not where they need to be. What the Mets have done here, they've allowed Washington and Atlanta, two teams with problems, Washington early in the year, Atlanta throughout the year, but they've given them an avenue back in this division. When the Mets had an opportunity to maybe really distance themselves. That's why I laugh when I hear that the National League East is over. The Mets may be the best team in a bunch. Over? You kidding me? It's July 1st. That's outrageous. Absolutely outrageous to suggest that the National League East is over. Talk about two teams reeling going into Subway Series. Mets are reeling, and the Yankees don't even get me started. Okay, voicemail time. And before we do voicemails, and of course, if you want to get in touch with the show, you should know the drill by now. 917-382-1151. That's 917-382-1151. But Sunday's pod. If you've been participating in our live green room discussions, they've been awesome. They've been a ton of fun. We've taken a ton of calls. We did it with Knicks. We've done it with Islanders. We've done it with Yankees. Whatever. We are going to do on Sunday, right after the game, get on Green Room. Taking a boatload of calls, interaction. You guys get involved right after the game. Download Spotify Green Room. Hopefully, we're not going to confuse anybody and we'll be able to find the page with these. New York, New York, search it. Green Room. Subway Series reaction. You ain't getting that live anywhere else. Well, you could get involved in the action. This is the only game in town, baby. Remember that. That's why we do what we do. But speaking of doing what we do, voicemails. Let's fire them up. Let's do so in a big way. Who's up? Hey, JJ. It's Jazz from Queens. Uh, big fan of the podcast. Uh, and I'm watching the Mets game right now. 
And even though Dom just had a homer in the top of seven, I am still so frustrated with this lineup. It's unbelievable. We can't get any hits against anybody. I, 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 do we need to make some kind of roster move? I, I just don't understand why this team cannot even get base hits. We don't hit home runs either, so we can't score any which way. And I, I actually don't really care what the outcome of this game is going to be, even though DeGrom is also lights out tonight. It just He had a rough uh, first couple of innings, but he is just mowing people down now. Uh, but I, this offense has to be able to score more than two or three runs. Like, it's just unbelievable how few runs we score. And I, I don't know what we can do. We paid Francisco Lindor all this money, and this guy is struggling out there. Jeff McNeil's finally back. He's struggling. Pete and Conforto aren't really looking that great either. And I'm just wondering, what what does this team need to do to to start hitting the ball better? Because we're getting – June is over. And we're, in, we're in the summer months now. And I thought at least when the weather gets warmer, we were going to start hitting better. But it's still – our offense is anemic. And I just I, I just want to know, like, what should we do? Because, I mean, we could make a trade, but we also need starting pitching. So I'm just – I'm at a loss. I don't really know what this team can do moving forward. And, uh, yeah, I'm just here, curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, big fan of the pod, and uh, thanks for listening. Well, I appreciate those kind words. There's not much you can do offensively. This is your team. You know, we've said that a lot about the Yankees the last few months. I'm going to say it about the Mets. You're not replacing Jeff McNeil. You're not replacing Michael Conforto. You're not replacing Francisco Endor. These guys are going to be here. They have to hit. I'm open to switching the lineup up just to get something going. Why not? Roll the dice a little bit. Now, if you look throughout baseball, the offensive numbers have gone up significantly over the last three and a half weeks. Sticky stuff, taking that out of the equation, changing the baseball again. Who the hell knows? With this commissioner, I wouldn't put anything past him. So I have no idea what is the conclusion or the direct result to why offense is through the roof over the last three weeks. Why am I bringing that up? It hasn't changed the Mets at all. The Mets should go to Yankee Stadium and score some runs. Friday against Montgomery, who has not been great recently, and Sunday against whoever they're throwing, King, Tyon. All right, you want to tell me Cole shuts him down? So be it. The Mets have a lineup that should be conducive hitting the long ball out of Yankee Stadium. They haven't hit the long ball at all this year. They miss VR too, but it's not as simple as that. The guys who are on this team have got to be better. Simple as that. Sorry, I don't have some grand equation for you to solve the Met offensive problem. Wish I had a grand equation to solve the Yankee problem. Only with that easy. Who's up next? Hey, John. This is Jake and Charlotte. Um, it's about 10 after 8 on Thursday night. End of the second inning, Mets are down 3-1. to one, And this team is broken. This team needs a reset button. They need to trade everyone. DeGrom is starting to show that he's human. He can't carry the team. All season long, it's depressing. I really uh, don't dude. care about the Subway dude. series against dude. the Yankees this weekend. Mets are broken. Nationals are going to win this division. I have nothing else to say. That's it. Bye. 
You want to tell me the Mets aren't going to win the division? You want to tell me the Mets have problems? Be my guest. The idea of suggesting a trade for Jacob DeGrom is quite frankly one of the dumbest things I've heard in a long, long time. Beyond asinine. Trade Jacob DeGrom. I mean, are you serious? He's under contract. He's a two-time signing award winner. And oh, by the way, he's the best pitcher in all baseball. Who's having a record-setting year. Let's trade him while the team is in first place. Give me a break. That is garbage. Ugh. It sickens me. That is a terrible, terrible take. Who's up next? What up, John? Andrew and Bay Ridge here. Uh, just checking in. Uh, you know, we it's almost football season. Only a couple months left before we start football season. I'm going to be coming through in the next few weeks with my college football picks, my Heisman picks, my conference title picks, and my national championship picks. And they all might not be exactly who you expect. But that's coming in the next few weeks. I'm in the lab crunching numbers right now. Let's talk baseball right now, okay? And we're talking NL East. I looked over some numbers, and something doesn't really make sense to me, John. Why are the Mets minus 450 to win the division when they're only up by two games, and you got a red-hot Nationals team sitting there right now at 7-1? to one? I don't really get it. I know Vegas, this is what they do. They make numbers, and they're usually right, but the Mets at minus 450 and the Nats at plus 700 right now? Something a little fishy there. At the end of the day, the bottom line is the Nats might possibly look like a play right now, and that 7-1 to number is going bye-bye very soon, John. So if anyone likes the Nationals, now's the time to do it. End of the day, John, who do you like to win the NL East? Is it the Mets? Is it the Nats or is it someone else? I'll talk to you. That's the great Andrew in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And I am fired up for the start of the football season. And yeah, we'll be diving in as well with some college football futures and then the NFL futures and our training camp stuff. I can't wait for football season. Maybe it's the Yankees stinking up the joint for the first three months. I can't wait for football season. Anyway, Andrew's question. The Nationals are live at 7-1. They've played really good baseball. They've played very well, heads up against the New York Mets, getting Strasburg back. I know Corbin gave up the grand slam to Muncie today. I think he's been better over his last few starts. And Schwarber's been an absolute beast. I mean, Schwarber has played himself into an all-star role, MVP consideration. Insane what he is doing. Insane. I think the Mets are the team to beat. The Braves are not the team I thought they were going to be. But if we're talking who is the biggest threat on July the 1st to the Mets winning the division, that team is Washington. And I would scoop 7-1 from a value standpoint. Absolutely. Who's up next? JJ, it's Anthony and Syosset. It's 5.30 in the morning on Thursday. Wednesday night, I see the Tampa Bay Lightning win. You know, I had a, a future hedge on them to win the cup that I placed before game seven against the Islanders at plus 130. See that they win. See that the Yankees are up, whatever it was at the time, four or five runs, and I go to bed. I wake up. I see that you were at the game. I mean, God bless you for staying for that. I wake up, and I see they lost by giving up basically a touchdown in the ninth inning. Now, there are season-defining losses for teams. To me, this is one of them. 
I think there is some stubbornness. I think there's something to that from the ownership down to the front office, the general manager's office, with the talent that's been put together on this team, which I've said before and I'll say it again, is a talented team and a team that should win. But clearly enough's enough. So you have to do one of two things. You either have to make a, a managerial change, which is not just manager in the dugout. It's general manager as well. And I think you and I can agree that's not going to happen. So if number one is not going to happen, number two is you need to start trading pieces off. I would trade Sanchez, especially right now. I'd get rid of Chapman. I'd get rid of all the bullpen arms. Britain. I'd get rid of probably uh, Frazier, Glaber Torres. I'd almost, J.J., I'm almost at the point, even all the starting pitching, Judge and Cole, to me, are the true untouchables on this team. Everybody else, not that the Yankees would ever do it, but everybody else can go. And when I say not that they'd ever do it, I do think that there's a legit stubbornness on this team. And they'd rather just restart it next year, even if there is a season with the same team, and say, see, see, you know, we were okay. It was just a fluke year. I don't think this is a fluke year. I think this is a team of talented players that are playing for no leadership right now or under no leadership. I, I can't even scream and curse. What's the fucking point, dude? What's the fucking point? Wow. That is a subdued Anthony and Syosset. Anthony, this could change between now and the deadline. We got a month. The Yankees are not selling off pieces. They're too stubborn. You heard Hal Steinbrenner today. He believes the talent is there. Can you see the Yankees trading Sanchez? I can't. Can you see the Yankees trading Chapman or Britain? I can't. Now, if they get punked by the Mets and they come out of the All-Star break, and I want everybody to circle these dates. Four with Boston right after the break. Following weekend, I'm going to be up there for it. Four at Fenway. I know I should get my head examined. I'm actually going to go to the belly of the beast. With the Yankees playing like this, I, I clearly have rocks in my head. But yes, I'm planning on taking the show on the road Thursday and Friday up to Beantown. By that point, you're continuing to play lousy baseball and you're nine, 10 out of the division, you're seven, eight out of the wild card. Then you got to consider it. At this point in time, I do not see the Yankees going in that direction because of everything you just said, the stubbornness. And yeah, I think I got to get my priorities in order, even though. Great family day. Good to see some old friends and whatnot. Stay into those two rain delays. Not one of the smartest decisions I've made in a long, long time. Who's up next? JJ, James, and Charlotte again. I heard Hal's comments today, and I got to be honest with you. I feel even worse about the situation. Yeah, he's got the Steinbrenner last name. He inherited daddy's money and daddy's team. But this guy doesn't sound like the boss. He's making the excuses for Cashman, making excuses for the coaches. He thinks this is like MLB, you know, home run derby on PlayStation. He's like, these guys are all great hitters. They've done it in the past. He should have just said, look at the back of the baseball card. Dude, this is not PlayStation. You don't put together a bunch of right-handed hitters with a high, you know, home run or power uh, score. That's not how this is done. This is a team. The pieces have to fit together correctly, and you don't have any dogs on this team. You got a bunch of pussycats. That's what you got. You need dogs. You need to talk to your analytics department. You know what they need to do? They need to add a dog factor. That's what we need. Because what I'm looking at right now is a bunch of weak-minded yes men 
that need a weakling like Aaron Boone to pat them on their head, and this is not working, significant changes need to be made. And, and when is Howe going to wake up and realize that? James, I think that's reasonable to suggest that Hal Steinbrenner was way too easy on Brian Cashman and was way too easy on Aaron Boone. Because that's exactly the way I felt. And the idea of giving Aaron Boone a pass for what's going on, and listen, he's not the reason they lost on Wednesday. Chapman had a 4-1 lead. But in general, I ask you this simple question. For anybody who watches the Yankees on a daily basis, and I do, I watch every single game because I'm a sick lunatic. Name me the guy on this team that has gotten better under the guidance and tutelage of this manager. And can you honestly sit there with a straight face and tell me that this team has performed better for Aaron Boone than they did for Joe Girardi? They have not. They have not. Proof is in the pudding. They're going backwards. They're not going forwards. They're not in the playoffs. I'm sorry. Wholesale change from the manager to the GM, the players on this team. 1,000%. Who's up next? Hey, JJ. This is Dan from Richfield. So the Yankees are an organization that just need major structural changes. And, you know, my concern kind of with any organization that gets to this point is if they're not bad enough to justify making those changes, but they're not good enough to really go for a championship. So with that in mind, I'm I'm not at this point yet, but would you trade like getting demolished by the Mets this weekend for firing Aaron Boone? All right. Thanks, JJ. Bye. The reason I am not accepting that offer is because Aaron Boone's not going anywhere. The Mets could go and sweep this series. The Yankees could fall under 500. Aaron Boone will go on the road. He'll get on the flight and will manage the team in Seattle. That's what Hal Steinbrenner told you today, folks. They're not making an in-season managerial change. Look, I said it a month ago that I'd love to see Buck Showalter in the dugout. And I do think he'd bring a different feel and sense to this team. Their flaws would still be there. They'd be playing better. I know that. They're not making a managerial change. So I'm just rooting to be wrong at this point. I'm rooting to be wrong. I hope I could say five months from now, man, was I dead wrong on Aaron Boone? Was I dead wrong on the Yankees? Right now, they look like a dead team walking. They're miserable to watch. Miserable. It's been as miserable a season as they've had in all my years of being a Yankee fan. It's crazy. First year of this podcast, no less, still. So you guys probably think I'm all sorts of angry and crazy. I actually like to be in a good mood about my teams. Yankees have not done that for me so far. Unfortunate. Two to go. What do we got? John, this is Glenn calling from Australia. Promise you it's true, but I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I'm a Yankee fan. I'm a Nets fan. I'm an Islander fan. And after getting over those two brutal Game 7 losses and having my heart broke, maybe, maybe some karma comes my way with the Yankees. And, of course, the Red Sox, and now I just witnessed Chapman explode. I'm telling you, John, I'm 52 years old, and I love the Yankees since the day my father ran into my room telling me Reggie hit three home runs in a game, and I was hooked. And I've dealt with the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
But good grief, John, this may be the most unlikable Yankee team ever. They can't get out of their own way. Oy, 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 oy. Look, I'm far away from New York, and I think I'm better off because the stench of the Yankee mess is killing me. But love your rants. I know you put your heart into it, and uh, send my regards to Broadway. I'm just kind of doing my dad thing down under. Take care, John. All the best. Well, Glenn, I love the Brooklyn accent down under in Australia. Bring me back a couple of Fosters next time you're in town. Good news for you. You're not in New York City. And you don't have the temptation of getting on the four train and going to Yankee Stadium like I'm going to do tomorrow. Again, sometimes you folks might question my sanity. And if I'm a little bit off my rocker, going to two Yankee games this week, that might be the last time I go to two Yankee games in a while. Long, long while. If I see another dud and I continue to see garbage baseball. Yeah, I have some problems. I know that. Last but not least, who's up? Hey, what's up, JJ? It's Mike from Stanford. Um, and listen, I'm with you. I would do anything to have Damian Lillard on my New York Knicks. I mean, that would be like kind of a dream come true. You know, he might be the best player in my life time. I'm 25 that I have seen on the Knicks if he comes. But the one play, I would trade anyone in as many draft picks as possible for him. The one guy that I would be so reluctant to trade and I would hold on to dear life is R.J. Barrett because I want him to be our guy so badly. We drafted him third overall. He's a good kid, and he actually looks like a home, like like, like a guy. He's our guy. You know, we drafted him, and, and if, if he could be a star player for us, that would be – he would be loved, and he'd be like the most beloved Knicks player. You know, I just – I already have like a, like a kind of like an emotional attachment to this kid because you know he he's nice and and he's only 21 years old. I mean I don't want to trade this guy. Uh, let me know your thoughts. I mean I I just love RJ Barrett, man. I don't know. A lot of my friends give me crap for it sometimes because at times you know you watch him play and it's like, you know, what the hell are you doing? But you know, a lot of the times he's a hell of a player, man. And and I just really don't want to part ways with him. I want him to be our guy in New York City for the future. Let me know your thoughts. See you later, JJ. Love you. Appreciate it. I love RJ Barrett, too. I love the growth from year one to year two. I think he was a much improved player. I think he's a very hard worker. I think he's an easy dude to root for. But you got to make some hard decisions. And I know this about the NBA. It is a star-driven league. You win with stars in the NBA. I don't know if R.J. Barrett is going to be a star. I have no idea. Dame Lillard's one of the 10 players that I'd love to have on my team. You got a chance to get him, you get him. I don't know if Dame Lillard's going to be a Nick. I'd say the deck is probably stacked against it at this point. Whatever it takes. I'll say that till I'm blue in the face. Whatever the hell it takes to get Dame Lillard to Madison Square Garden. And not just once, but twice a year. From an NBA standpoint, I'm so happy for Chris Paul. And I don't want to hear, oh, it's a weird year, it's a tainted year, it's this, it's that, nonsense. The Phoenix Suns beat LeBron James. The Phoenix Suns beat the MVP in Jokic. Did they not? Now they take down the Clippers. Booker, Paul, Bridges, that whole team, so happy for them. 
The idea of Chris Paul and Monty Williams reuniting and now Chris Paul getting to his first NBA Finals after so many close calls, after so many bad breaks, this is awesome. This is a great thing for the league. And it's a great thing for one of my favorite players. Guy is already put in the category as one of the best point guards of all time. Now, the idea that some have put him ahead of an Isaiah Thomas, I've always thought was a little much because of what Isaiah did with the bad boys and his postseason track record. But Paul's run over the last 15 years, I mean, it's been top-notch. This should be the year for Phoenix. This should be the year for Paul. Milwaukee and Atlanta in Game 5, I mean, didn't it feel weird? The idea of watching that Game 5, pivotal Game 5, no Giannis, no Trey. And who in their right mind thought that Brooke Lopez would be the star of Game 5 and now Milwaukee one win away from going to the NBA Finals? And I think the question around, you know, the rest of the NBA postseason, is Giannis, or Trey for that matter, going to be able to get back on the court? I don't think it matters. I think Phoenix is going to do what they need to do against either one of those teams. But wouldn't it be poetic? Game seven, instead of Marv saying, here comes Willis, it's here comes Giannis. I know I'm a sucker for a storyline. I know I'm grasping at straws, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. Seen Atlanta installed as a one-point favorite in game six. It, It is impossible to have a feel on this series with the two superstars out. I can't stress that enough. Impossible. I think Milwaukee gets it done. If it's not in six, it's in seven. Jeff Money, before we say sayonara, what do we got, Money? What up, JJ? It's Jeff Money here at a Handicapper Picks. This is going to be for tomorrow, Friday, the 2nd of July. I'm going to go, well, there's only one thing to go with, and just in Major League Baseball, I'm going to go with the San Francisco Giants minus the 135 at the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. It could be Wood versus Gallon. Now, Wood, he's 2-1 and one with a 3.52 ERA on the road versus Gallon, who's 0-2 at home with a 4.15 ERA at home. Now, get this, the Giants in Arizona the last three years, they won 11 out of the last 15 games. All right, so again, we're going to take the San Francisco Giants minus the 135. All right, J.J., I'm out of here. Let's go. Well, let's go, money. I'm done fading the San Francisco Giants this year. Made way too many mistakes doing that in the early going of this year. If I had to play this game, I'd lay the 152 against the terrible, rotten Arizona Diamondbacks team. So my best to you, Jeff Money, with San Francisco. Now, Sunday. I hope everybody enjoys their 4th of July weekend. We're getting a whole lot of rain in the Tri-State area. After the Subway Series. After you enjoy your 4th of July weekend and all the rain we're going to get. Spotify Green Room. Live calls right after the game. That's where you want to be. Spotify Green Room. Download the app. Live show. Subway Series reaction. We're there Sunday night. As soon as the game goes final. Fellas, fabulous job. Everybody enjoy their fourth. JJ out. Be good, everybody.